This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. What's the focus on BFM 89.9, the business station? 9.37 a.m. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Keith Kam and Mark Tan. This is what this is WTF or What's the Focus, our weekly roundup show of the top stories this week and any other news tidbits you may have missed. Our aim here is to send you off into the weekend as a fountain of knowledge to share with all the uh, relatives or friends that you're going to be meeting with you know, over the next two days. So here you go. Here's your cramming of top headlines of the week in case you missed everything that happened. But I'm pretty sure this is something that you wouldn't have missed unless you've completely eschewed social media, then you're not on any of the internet platforms. Uh, This week, the famous Bluebird logo of Twitter has been replaced by a black and white X, uh, something that we the users are now grappling with. Now, the switch to the name X is probably the latest and most controversial change introduced to the site by Elon Musk since he bought the social media platform for $44 billion US dollars last year. Now, Twitter has since been struggling with an advertiser exodus, cutting the company's ad revenue by more than 50%. And the new CEO, Linda Yaccarino, who used to be NBCU's head of advertising, was brought in to turn around the advertising fortunes. Now, I wonder how much X is going to help with this advertising dilemma. XXX. But I, anyway, uh, here's a little bit of trivia to, to send you into the week. Uh, to to make you feel like you know you you are up to date with everything. Do you know the 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 famous bluebird uh, on on Twitter has a name? Yes, I can answer this. <laughs> there we go. Have me on your team on your trivia <laughs> quiz team. But yes, tell us more about the name. So uh, Larry the bluebird has flown the the nest. I guess you could I think say. he was killed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I want to think that he's gone up somewhere in a, to a better place <laughs> with Snow White and. <laughs> anyway, uh, Elon Musk's uh, reason for getting rid of the Twitter bird logo uh, to replace it with the X is apparently. Uh, uh, it's in line with the fact that when he bought over Twitter uh, back in October 2022, it was uh, he he changed the company to X Corp because I think the intention here is that he wanted to create a a, a super X X something a super app mm. which is called X which is going to be similar to China's WeChat and I suppose something that uh, uh, Tony Fernandez is doing with the. Uh, uh, Asia Super app as well. Indeed. Mm. So the Super app is something that Elon Musk has long had in his sights. I guess it remains to be seen whether this is something that he can actually do. How do you change a platform that's known for social media messaging into something that encompasses digital banking? He wants it to be something, in, in, he wants it to have uh, elements of like FaceTime of some sort. It, it, to me, it seems like a pretty large stretch, especially given how he's alienated the core user base <laughs> through his many efforts to squeeze money out of them. Now, obviously, he's taking a page book, a playbook from China, where I think this migration from a messaging system to a financial super app is following WeChat because that's what exactly WeChat has done. You know, now it's one of the biggest financial e-wallets and insurance companies in China. And I suppose Elon Musk is trying to take a playbook out of it. But unfortunately, you know, in terms of the name X, there are hundreds of companies, including Microsoft and Meta, that own trademarks for variations of X. And this could open the door to lawsuits and other legal headaches for Musk, right? Um, so US trademark, trademark attorney, they actually mentioned that there's almost 900 other companies with trademarks that has an accident. But from a branding perspective as well, uh, it's it's illist- uh, it's brought up uh, quite a bit of uh, conversation. Right. I mean, 
it's a company that's become a household name and you've literally transformed your your brand name into a verb. So do you say you tweet something out now or do you X something which kind of has a different connotation. Exactly. You've spent years or the you know the brand has spent years building up a nomenclature for its mm-hmm. usage and suddenly you're letting that all go uh, just because you think the letter X is cool. To me, it doesn't make much sense in terms of advertising and branding. You know, I don't see, especially as you said, Mark, there are just so many other trademarks with the letter X and we just saw overnight how in Indonesia, uh, this, the site X.com has a stumbling block because it falls <laughs> under the country's curbs on online pornography and gambling. So how are you, if there's huge swaths of the world that can't even access your site, uh, how do you expect to gain, um, I guess, more users? He, he literally X-rated his, his, his company. <laughs> but, but I have to say as well, but uh, I mean, from, a, from a branding perspective again, uh, if it had been a completely new uh, social media app or social media uh, platform, that letter X actually does stand out. I think it's actually quite nice. All right, so you'd be one of those users on X uh, to use, yeah. So I mean, if it had been not Twitter. Not Twitter, yeah. okay. If it hadn't been like a, if it was a completely... New platform, yeah. All right, all right. Well, maybe you can write to Elon Musk and let him know of, uh, you know, missed opportunities <laughs> and the like. Uh, so we'll be watching to see what this happens. You know that Twitter is... Um, everything that we like to talk about or ex-Twitter. But turning our attention to other developments this week, there have been a lot of election-related news, I think, coming out of different countries, uh, beginning with our neighbours, Cambodia, where we know that uh, the party of the long-serving Prime Minister Hun Sen uh, won an overwhelming majority in the elections, uh, which weren't really seen. He called it a landslide He called it a landslide, but it's not seen as free or fair elections, uh, really. But he also announced a succession plan. Well, yes, he plans to hand over the power to his eldest son next month, Hun Manet. Now, Hun Manet is the commander of the Royal Cambodian Army and actually graduated from the United States Military Academy at West Point. And he'll be appointed to the post by the King Norodom Sihamoni on August the 10th. And Parliament will confirm the new Premier with a vote on August the 22nd. You know, I was following this uh, back in a few months back. Uh, I think it was in May or April uh, when the only credible opposition party at that time was called the Candlelight Party. Uh, they, they, they went through... Well, they, they had been disqualified from participating in, in any election by something as um, trivial as having lost their hard copy paper printed registration. Which had been taken by the government, actually, in Gun. a way, yes. <laughs> So yeah, so all all that were also the only eighteen. There were eighteen parties, small parties that took part in the uh, in the election, and even the eighty four, eighty five percent voter turnout uh, that was reported by their election commission in in Cambodia, that has also come under under question. So um, we'll remain to be. It remains to be seen whether it'll be status quo under the new leadership or whether there'll be changes. I don't know. Um... Yeah, so in the meantime, also the United States, you know, in, in what you said earlier on, Shazani, in terms of the perceived free and fair elections, the Washington is taking some punitive measures by imposing visa restrictions on individuals and also implementing a pause on certain foreign assistance programs. But I doubt that will have any much effect. All right, from Cambodia, let's uh, quickly take a look at Spain because Spain also had its elections. And this was funny because they had elections earlier in the year. Uh, they couldn't form a clear by government. elections They had some by-elections. By-elections. Uh, but then they had a snap general election. Yeah. So again, I think uh, 
and the results were inconclusive as far as I understand Correct. So the centre-right People's Party and the far-right Vox has won the most seats in the parliament with a combined 169 seats, but it was short of the majority of 176 needed to form a majority and a, a, a coalition government. So caretaker Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez is now trying to I suppose, horse trade. And one of the unlikely partners he may be looking at is the Catalan independence leader, right, who could be making him the kingmaker. So right now, uh, right now, there is even a likelihood that, uh, that, that they might have to end up holding elections, another general elections to, to, to determine what the outcome would be, I suppose. Really? That's, right. That was what I was reading uh, at some point. Uh, there was some analysis on, on the right. fact that uh, that might actually happen. This is exactly what happened in Greece because when Greece held its national elections, neither the right or the left could form a majority government. So then Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis called for another election and then he subsequently got the majority he needed to form the government. So I think that's why I've been feeling a sense of deja vu. Haven't we spoken about this before? <laughs> And we did with Greece, and now it could be happening again in Spain. Um, so there you go with election uh, news coming up around the world. Can I also just flag uh, that I think overnight as we're doing the show, uh, Donald Trump, and I'm only bringing this up because Donald Trump is supposed to run for elections in 2024, but there have been a whole slew of new charges against him. So uh, that just adds to, I guess, his legal woes ahead of the 2024 U.S. presidential elections. Uh, but before we take a quick break, maybe you can also brief us on what's happening in China. Yes, yeah, so the Xinjiang mystery intensifies as well. So he was officially removed as the foreign minister this week to be replaced by his predecessor. But also in terms of his details, it's been wiped from the ministry site. So it's like he's been erased from existence. But that's uh, something that China is, uh, is, not, not, is no stranger to, to, to doing, right? I think the idea is because he was he was done so it was done so suddenly there was no news or explanation as to why he was suddenly removed from his post and and instead I think maybe the government was hoping people would just accept it but I think the mysteriousness of it has really driven a lot of speculation and questions into what happened to Chingang um, something that uh, captivates our attention for sure. He has not performed any official duties since the 25th of June. I was wondering what he has been been doing since then. I I guess uh, we the, just wait and see. There are there are new, there are some rumors that he's ill. Um, we don't know essentially, but uh, it is one of those curious cases um, of political changes in China. Correct. Nobody's aware what was the trigger. At least the previous disappearance of another famous tennis, uh, the China tennis was the tennis star Ping Shuai, yeah. which was at least accused a retired Chinese vice premier of a sexual assault, and then she. Disappeared. At least then we know what the trigger was. And then there was Jack Ma as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 9.47 in the morning. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with some more of the top stories that we've been talking about all week. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. 9.48 a.m. You are listening to The Morning Run and this is WTF or What's the Focus, our weekly recap show every Friday. I'm Shazana with Mark and Keith. So if we take a look at uh, conversations that have really dominated attention this past week, uh, it really was the Good Vibes Festival and the ensuing fallout uh, this week was a festival in Sepang that was cancelled after a rather unfortunate incident on Friday. Um, and I think everyone's just trying to grapple with the repercussions of it uh, that in, that included not just the people who bought tickets to the event, but also the vendors who were involved in uh, selling merchandise there. Right. So this incident happened last Friday when British rock band 1975 created a furor after frontman Matty Healy kissed his fellow band member and launched abuses against Malaysia's anti-LGBTQ laws. 
Now, he did appear intoxicated on stage, and this led the government to blacklist the band and cancel the Good Wives uh, Music Festival that was supposed to have lasted three days over the weekend in Sepang. Yeah, so there were questions about how uh, how the organisers handled uh, the event because uh, from what we saw on social media, Matt Healy's uh, tirade appeared to be appeared to have gone on for quite some time, and it was even broadcast on the big screen TVs uh, at the event itself. So the questions that arose was why was he allowed to go on for as long as he did when he was obviously intoxicated, you know, holding a bottle of uh, alcohol at some point. We did. Speak with uh, we did speak with uh, Future Sound Asia director of Entertainment One Alman to to clarify this. You guys should check uh, check out the podcast. It was very very interesting. Indeed, and I think uh, the organizers as well as other uh, industry associations did come out in a press conference yesterday to further clarify uh, what they had done and, and what the what went on behind the scenes of it. Um, I think there's just a lot of post mortem analysis, I suppose, in terms of uh, what happened. How can we avoid a similar thing from going and. Really Really, will this affect I best industry confidence, right? Well, is this going to have a long-term impact on whether international acts come here, on whether our industry players uh, feel secure and confident in holding events um, of this nature? Correct. One of the post-mortem is obviously that uh, Malaysian Communications and Digital Minister Fami Fazi has requested Puspal to re-look at the rules and regulations governing the approval of performances by foreign artists into the country. And hopefully that will not impact the ability of a country to attract Tier A, you know, foreign artists to come in. I mean, apart from uh, the performance itself, one of the, uh, I guess we shouldn't forget the, the the people who had to supply food and drinks and um, the, the the lighting engineers and all these people. They they kind of did lose out on a lot of money, especially the food vendors, because they had to prepare for food for three days and the event didn't even finish its its first day. Uh, so you know, kudos to to uh, Fami Fami Fadil as well uh, for calling on my creative ventures to help sort this out. Uh, find solutions to this as well. They have tried to do that, yes. And I, I do, I, I know when I heard the news, I felt horribly for the fans who wanted to see the big bands that were coming here. We had Kit Leroy that was supposed to f- perform on Saturday. The Strokes, you know, I know many f- friends of mine who are huge fans of The Strokes and we're looking forward to seeing them in action at the Good Vibes Festival that did not come to pass. And uh, I think for those who are Strokes fans, uh, the heartwarming thing is how the band have tried to find a way to perform in Malaysia uh, despite this cancellation. They haven't been able to, but they did announce on social media that they've actually added a tour date in Singapore in the hopes that more of their Malaysian fans could make their way down south uh, to see them. Um, But again, given the uh, exchange rate, I mean, it's, it's not going to be the same number of fans that would have gotten to enjoy their performances had they been able to be performed here. We do tend to lose out on on acts like this, uh, acts like these, if... uh it's got economic benefits in 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 uh, overall to to the country's economy. Uh, not so much from the fact that uh, you you especially from the fact that you do attract not just Malaysians uh, attending these concerts, Singaporeans, Indonesians, even Thai even Thai nationals would actually come down to Malaysia. There's a lot of ancillary spending, uh, hotels, dining. And, Absolutely, and- um, I think it's something that 
we need to consider if we're if we actually want to make um if we want to gain that multiplier effect and and how correct um, so now there's a new thing called Taylornomics so it seems that when Taylor Swift comes to town Swifties goes on a spending spree now I think all of us are familiar with Taylor uh, Taylor Swift's era tours which started this year in, in US and it's already become the biggest in concert history potentially crossing 1 billion over in the US and it's filling football stadiums that holds more than 70,000 people and mm-hmm. Cincinnati alone I think the spending related to Swift to reach an estimated 48 million according to the city's tourism uh, office. So tourism for acts like this is so important to help economy and attract the right kind of high-yielding tourists. Well, guess who's going to be benefiting from Taylornomics next year? It's going to be Singapore, given that she's performing six nights there. Uh, not here, unfortunately. All right, guys, it's uh, we're coming up to the end of the show, but I just wanted to mention that tomorrow is mm. nomination day for the state elections. We're finally going to officially have all the candidates that will be contesting. Um, what are you guys looking out for, I suppose? Is there any particular state that you're watching? Are there any particular seats that you're looking at or what's the big headline regarding state elections that uh, you want to leave the audience with today? Well, personally for me, because I've got some roots in Penang, I like to see how Gerakan handles the Penang state elections. Mm-hmm. And Dominic Lau has been given the Bayan Lepas uh, constituency. And is he going to be a poster boy for Perikata National? There's uh, also so much rhetoric uh, with regards to uh, race, religion and, and, and royalty. I, I was wondering... I would be curious to see how these political parties would adhere to all the, the, the election rules and, and regulations that are set to take place over the next two weeks. That's right. Campaigning is going to start in earnest, although I have to say it's already kind of started. If you travel to some states, I was in uh, Trungano over the weekend uh, and there were definitely flags all over the place, even though campaigning hasn't officially started yet. Uh, but stay tuned. We're going to be covering all about nomination day next week on Monday. Uh, it's 9.55 in the morning. We're heading into the 10 a.m. news bulletin. Uh, keep it here on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the VFM app.